0: It's the Lawn and Garden Show with Walter Reeves on 95.5 WSB. Brought to you by Pike Nurseries, your neighborhood garden center, playing in the dirt for more than 50 years. Call now with your lawn and garden questions at 404-872-0750 or 1-800-WSB-TALK. And now, here's Walter.
1: It's 6:07 on a Saturday morning at 95.5 WSB. This is Lawn and Garden. I'm Walter Reeves, a Georgia gardener, and I'm here to help you be more successful doing whatever you want to do in your landscape. And there's a lot to do, a lot to think about. Anyway, this time of year because the late drought just sort of ended a few days ago, and people are wondering, can I replant my fescue? Can I put up pre-emergent? Can I plant my shrubs and trees? Sure, you could do all those things. And if you've noticed on the ads, Pike Nursery is having a huge sale this weekend. So if you have a plant that you've had your eye on and you would like to plant it, this would be a great time to plant this weekend and get some savings too. We're talking about that with the big weather this morning at 8.35. <clears throat> my back is still not doing great for me, but uh, maybe a little bit better today. So we'll see how my back holds up today. Oh! You know what I found out this week? I finally, finally solved a mystery. This is a mystery that I described to you about three or four now weeks ago. I think it was four weeks ago. I mentioned that my neighbor Missy had a pine tree in her front yard, and at the top of the tree was turned brown. All the needles at the top of her pine tree were totally brown. And so we were looking at it, trying to think, well, what? What would cause a pine tree just suddenly bang turn brown like that? It wasn't a gradual over three months, four months, five months fading. It was all of a sudden, bam, it was brown. So I said to Missy, I don't know what it is. The only thing I can think of would be borers or drought or hm. Hmm, I wasn't sure. But she decided that she should have that she needed to take it down. And so Yesterday, I went down to her house and watched the tree guys take it down. And asked them specifically to get a chunk of the top. I wanted to see exactly what was going on in the top of the tree. And so they nicely lowered the big chunk of the top of the tree down just below the point where all the all the needles were brown. And wonderfully, the, thing, the bark was just easy to peel off. I just take my fingers and thumb and peel off the bark, peel off the bark, peel off the bark. And that peeling off the bark revealed the cause of the brown needles in the top of the pine tree. It is an insect called the pine sawyer, S-A-W-Y-E-R, the pine sawyer. And the larvae of the pine sawyer is a round-headed grub, round-headed boar they call it. And it's about two inches and a half, two inches maybe long. It has a very round head, very white like a grub. But the pine Sawyer grub is this round-headed beetle grub, when they go underneath the bark of a pine tree, they eat all of the all the cambium layer, the part that takes the water up to the top of the tree. And when the when the pine Sawyer grubs ate all the all the cambium layer underneath the pine tree bark, that's why the top of the tree turned brown. That's why the top of the tree turned brown. I was so excited to see that. they've put lots of pictures and lots of documentation of the holes, so they come out of the bark in a little bitty places where you can see the, the sap of the pine tree that was coming out of the bark of the tree. And I thought that was really interesting to see that. So a mystery has been solved. Why did this particular pine tree turn brown? It turned brown because it had pine sawyers in the tree. They only attack stressed trees. I'm not sure what the stress was, probably drought, of course. And they do spread from tree to tree. If you have other trees in the same area that are stressed as well, They get spreads to them too. So, the probability is that Missy will have other trees around there. We'll keep an eye on them. But I told her yesterday afternoon there's really no need to take down a tree right now preemptively because we don't know if if they've spread or not. We'll look at the trees nearby, we'll see if they turn brown. If they turn brown, we'll take them out. If they don't turn around, if they fight off the pine Sawyer and survive, then they'll be fine. She keeps her pine trees, but there's no real emergency about taking it down. She simply watches, watches and waits. Our phone number, of Lawn and Garden, four zero four eight seven two zero seven fifty, four zero four eight seven two zero seven fifty. Jean in Bremen, that's what number she dialed just a little bit ago, and now she's on the air. Hey, Jean, good morning.
2: Good morning. How are you? Good. I have rooted some, uh, several, for my sister and daughter and other people. Uh, I had a give to me a dark purple hydrangea. Yeah. And everybody wants one. I have rooted some. They're fair rooted. I rooted them in pots. Should I put them in the ground now or? Mm. Dig a hole out in the ground and set the pots down, and let them stay over winter.
1: Tell us, tell us how you rooted them, Gene. I'm, the, the listeners right now saying, I got a hydrangea, I need to root too. Tell us how you did it.
2: Uh, I mixed a little bit of miracle growth stuff and other uh, topsoil, dirt, yeah, and all, and uh, just packed it down, and then stuck a hole down in it, and Put packs of more dirt and i just kept it just a little moist.
1: Yeah, did, for you, did you cover it with plastic? Did you do anything like that? Or just, keep no,
2: I, just keep it moist? No, I kept <laughs> it out of the sun. I didn't keep it in the sun, sure, just where it would get just a little bit of the morning sun and then it would be in the shade. I've got six or seven pots of them.
1: I'll be darned. Well, there's no reason you can't root hydrangeas. They're an easy-to-root shrub, as you found out. Mm -hmm. And so if you want to do it, the time to start, I guess, for everybody would be um, back in May, early May. When when did you start yours, Jean? It was
2: about June, I think, when I started getting the healthy bottom limb that didn't have a bloom on it. Yeah. But I don't... I don't want nothing to happen to them, but I don't know what it would be better to.
1: And what did put you say about the, the, the roots? You said the roots were fair or something like that. What did yeah,
2: you say? Yeah, they've got roots on them now, right. you know.
1: And I, you know that because you pulled them out of the pot, or how do you know? I, I just pull one up. Okay.
2: And it's got some good white roots, but um, before I would just dig a long ditch like, and put the pots down in the ground and let them. Day, but my sister's dying to get hers in the ground, so maybe it'll take off early next
1: year, you know. If it is a warm winter, your sister could go ahead and plant hers now. If it's a cold winter, your ditch makes a lot of sense. And I frankly sometimes can't trust the weather, and mm-hmm. so I do the ditch method just like you're doing. And for listeners who wonder what the ditch method is, you dig a ditch about oh, half the height of, a pot of your pots. In the bottom, you put a little gravel, just a little gravel to keep drainage, and then you line the pots up side by side, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, in this ditch, and pack soil around them. And that mm-hmm. soil around them insulates the roots, they still will grow, the roots will grow great during the wintertime, mm-hmm. so the roots continue to grow, and then that spring, April or May sometime, you can go ahead and pull them out of the ground, pull them out of the pot, them wherever you want to, and you know you'll have a really, really good root system then, and because in the trench and in that, ditch uh, that you dug, a little more protection, I guess, from the winter, cold, and temp- freezing temperatures, and snow, and ice, and things like that. hmm
2: Well, that's... I told her I'd rather... She said, but, see, they'll, they'll grow in the ground yeah. as much, and that way it'll take off better. If I told might, her, I said, just let me call Walter yeah. and see what she, if she he thinks. She just insists.
1: <laughs> is she insisting... <clears> that she can get a bucket or something like that, something that would cover over her hydrangea. Go ahead and plant it, but it'd be you know, if it gets down to 25 or lower, that'd be a time to take the bucket out there and put it over it and protect it for the night, and then take it off the next day. So she could plant it and protect it too.
2: Well, I told her if she rent her, she couldn't have enough. <laughs>
1: <laughs> she has to learn how to do it herself. <laughs> Thank you so you much. You Thanks so much for calling. Good talking to you once again. Jan is in Milledgeville and joins us on Lawn and Garden. Hey, Jan, good morning. Good morning. Hi. Um, I had called
0: last Saturday trying to find out how to overwinter two caladium bulbs, and I lost you. It was disconnected, and I never could get it back on the radio because my radio doesn't come in your station that well. My question is, how do, what's a proper way to... Overwintered my two caladium bulbs. They're very beautiful plants, That's and I wanted to try to you know, keep them until next spring to replant them in the ground.
1: I'm so glad you called back, James, I felt guilty the whole week since. Because I thought <laughs> I cut that lady off. We were talking about caladiums. I missed it all. You and Mickey at the same time. I ended up cutting you off and talking to Mickey about it, and I didn't know if you could hear her or not. Since I you, couldn't. Since could I hear it, it all. Since you couldn't oh. hear it, I can tell you what to do. Tell you what Mickey. Thank Mickey gets away from Pike Nursery told me, and I'll tell you. She Good. said all she does is dig them up now when the leaves are just beginning to droop and fade a little bit. The leaves are droopy, you know, because of the cold weather. I done. Mickey digs them up. She lays them yep. out in her garage where it's dry and lets the soil dry around the roots. And okay. when the soil is dry around the roots, she cuts off the leaves. And then puts yep. them in a box, a cardboard box, not a plastic bag, but a cardboard box, and mm-hmm. she puts that in a in a closet somewhere in the house, somewhere upstairs, not down in the basement, upstairs where it's warm, sort of.
3: Good. And then okay.
1: you check on it once or twice during the winter time, make sure nothing is rotted, make sure nothing is looks bad in the in the box, and you make a note to yourself: plant caladium bulbs are in the upstairs closet, and you make a note to plant them sometime in mid April.
0: Good, but my, my one question, too, with all that is, when they're up there in that closet, um, do I water them at all or just leave them? Just leave them. That's she, my question. She, Should I be watering those
1: I, bulbs? If I remember, she leaves them alone because, again, you've, you've dried them out a little bit. You've, all the soil has been um, wiped off of the bulb. And most of the time, I think they'll they just find them will rot. If you want to do something to prevent rot on them, Jan, do you know what um, yellow sulfur, sulfur sulfur powder is? Well, I don't, to be honest with you. If you go to a drugstore, usually you can find some sulfur powder. Okay. You'll get the sulfur powder and yep. put oh, two or three tablespoons in a paper bag and put okay. your palladium bowls in there and shake them just a little bit. I don't know if you ever fried chicken that way, but you take a fried chicken. And put flour in a paper sack and fried chicken legs and breasts and thighs in there. Shake it up right. real good. That's how you get the flour onto the skin of the of the chicken. Uh-huh. And so the same thing with the clay. You put some sulfur in a bag, shake it up real good, and then you got sulfur all over the bulbs, and they will not rot with that sulfur on them.
0: That's good. That's good. Well, yay! I'm so glad I got to talk to you and get this finally answered because there's such beautiful, ball. I mean the plants were very beautiful and, and very unique. Thank and you for excited. helping
1: me to assuage my guilt. It's great not to have to worry about that anymore. It's 619. We'll be back after this.
0: It's Scott Slade, host of Atlanta's Morning News on 95.5 WSB. The news and traffic teams will be here first thing Monday morning to help you get to work on time and informed. Now back to Walter Reeves and his lawn and garden expertise on 95.5 WSB, Atlanta's News and Talk.
1: we got to do the weather Quick weather update brought to you by Finley Roofing today And tomorrow not much different Sunny, chilly highs don't quite reach 60 degrees Lows in the upper 30 both days Your full weekend forecast Because it's been 10 minutes on 95.5 WSB We've got Susan Decatur who joins us this morning on Lawn and Garden Hi Susan, good morning Hi, Hi. thanks Hi. for taking my call well, Thank you
0: um, I have a flower bed that had gotten very weedy and I weeded it out this week, and I want to put some uh, daffodils and Dutch iris mm-hmm. bulbs in there. But I also, because I know there's going to be a lot of weed seeds, I, I would like to put something like preen yeah. on the top of the soil um, after I put those bulbs in. Will the bulbs still grow? Yes.
1: And preen- they will, because they're, they're not
0: like a regular seed, are they? Right, right?
1: Exactly. The preen that you use, I think the product you have with preen is the one that has the um, corn gluten meal. Is that the active ingredient in it, or do you remember? I, I think so. The corn gluten meal is strictly a surface um, weed preventer. It's not really uh-huh. great at preventing weeds, but it does some. And it has good fertilizer in it as well. And so if you use the preen with the corn gluten meal as an active ingredient in it, it will prevent any surface weeds, which doesn't have anything to do with the bulbs that are way down below it, a couple of inches below. And so you should be just fine. Should be just fine. Great. Thank you so much. Hey, it took a like, worries out of your mind. No problem to it, Susan. Thanks for, thanks for calling. Bye-bye. 404-872-0750 is my number. 404 872 750 We'll be back after news.
0: It's the Lawn and Garden Show with Walter Reeves on 95.5 WSB. Brought to you by Pike Nurseries, your neighborhood garden center, playing in the dirt for more than 50 years. Call now with your lawn and garden questions at 404-872-0750 or 1-800-WSB-TALK. And now, here's Walter.
1: 635 at 95.5 WSB. This is Modern Garden. I'm Walter Reeves, the Georgia Gardener, here with a high-pitched voice this morning. Still the high-pitched voice with the engaged mind to answer your garden questions at 404-872-0750. 404-872-0750. And by the way, there's another way that you can contact us on Saturday morning. That's by using the open mic part of the WSB radio app. If you have the WSB radio app on your phone and you use it during the week to take care of traffic, know where you are and what's going on with the traffic, you can also use the open mic app on Saturday morning only to ask garden questions. So, if you want to use open mic, eh, give me about a minute's worth of questions, and Ashley and I will contemplate it and we'll answer it sometime in the next hour on the air. So, either the open mic. From WSP Radio app on the the, uh, phone or 404 872 0750. Ashley DeFrasco, just a minute ago, you had a caller. I heard you answering off the air about pansies. What was you asking about pansies? So, Marilyn
3: was in the habit of planting them a little earlier than now, maybe two or three weeks ago. So, Ah. she was just wondering if now is too late. And no, No. you know how I know that? How you know? Pike Nursery, they're well, on this sale, sale this sale weekend, today. so it's right. not too Man, late. Man, they're
1: great too. They're on twenty, thirty percent of the lifetime of pansies, all the ornamental cabbages and snapdragons and all those things like that. Yeah, now's the time to plant. Now's a great time to plant pansies. You couldn't plant three weeks ago, but it was so dry, it was so terribly, terribly dry. No way in the world to make them happy and healthy then. You will know, go. Gonna go over the planting tips for pansies. Sure people know yeah, because right. I've actually
3: I mean, I always notice driving through Midtown Atlanta when the landscape Crews come oh, to yeah. big <laughs> high rises And things and the cycles Of them yeah. taking things out and then Purging and then yeah. planting new stuff So they've torn out the elephant ears And things like that, so now they're putting in Pansies and like what looks to be Ornamental kale sure. and things like that sure. So my question for you, they always Make it look beautiful, of course, in the beds Outside these office parks, but Spacing, the proper spacing for pansies uh, For me just doing them at the mailbox or
1: something Usually the, the professionals know what spacing should be correct For each variety of pansies Because some are big, some grow you know, they grow at least a foot across And some stay about 4 to 6 inches wide and So they'll put those about 4 to 6 inches apart And the ones that get real wide they put those about 10 inches to a foot apart so knowing the variety is important. And for a homeowner, you can see that usually on the label, it'll say space so many inches apart. But I'll tell you, too, the professionals are more likely to crowd there just because they want to make impact. They're paid to make something go boom, and all the people driving by say, whoa, look at those pansies, look at those snapdragons. This is awesome. And I did.
3: That's that's. I almost drove off the road. Boom. <laughs> like watching how pretty they were doing the pansies out at uh, Peachtree in spring, as a matter of fact.
1: If you watch a crew, if you had a minute to get in the lawn chair or something, just watch the crew. I'll tell you what they did. During the summertime, they usually had the, like you said, the elephant ears, the petunias and things like that, the begonias maybe they had in a bed. And this is what they did. The first thing the crew goes in and pulls every one of those plants out and puts them in a bucket or something, puts those on the truck. And then they'll get a tiller and till that whole bed up, a little two-cycle tiller, mantis or something like that. They'll till it up real good. And then they'll put a good helping of fertilizer. Usually they use osmocote fertilizer because osmocote is one of those time-release fertilizers. It'll release nutrients for four or five months sometimes. They don't want to come back. And so they just put one time down, osmocote, till one more time, and make sure the bed is nicely crowned, has a nice rounded edge to the top of it that drains real nicely. And then the crew chief will say, okay, for these pink ones, the white ones, the blue ones, we're going to put in this pattern, they need to be about eight inches apart. And so the men and women on the crew, bang, 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 they use their trowels, use their hands, put them into place, and then they water them in real good. Most of the time, I don't, don't see them mulching because they're so tightly packed together, but sometimes they do. They mulch, but usually after they have installed them, watered them in real good, and they won't be back for another week. They'll water it again, make sure they're nicely growing, replace any that has died. And within two weeks, gosh, you know, the flowers are looking awesome, looking just great.
3: You know what else, too? I was driving through Johns Creek yesterday. Yeah. And what's really bright and colorful right now, I mean, I'm just so annoyed fall feels like we're really getting... Cut short this year on yeah, fall But um, trying to enjoy the colors while we can Pink muley grass was all
1: over Johns Creek And I think that stuff looks so cool right now If you do not know what pink muley grass looks like It's the grass it is pink That's the way to describe it. It's pink It's big sort of um, clumps Of this little, very airy looking grass And the best time to see it Is full pink light Is in the afternoon when the sunshine comes through Sometimes in the morning it looks nice too but in the afternoon, when the light comes through, it's a very, very bright pink muley grass. It's a great grass. It is very hardy here, easy to grow. I think it's one of the best ornamental grasses we could have because it's not so big like pampas grass. It's not so, so spreading outy like um, maiden grass is. Yeah, it's real pretty. And John's Creek, good.
3: It's and it's great. perennial, too, right? Yeah. goes
1: yeah. back every nice. year, Mulembergia. Great plant. 404 is the number on Lawn and Garden, by the way. 404 8720750. If you have a question about pansies, about houseplants, about trees, about shrubs, about critters, about insects, about lawns, and about how to fertilize those lawns, we got it right here. Tom is in Tucker, and Tom joins us on Lawn and Garden. Where's the cursor? Here it goes. There he is. Hey, Tom. Good morning. Hey, good morning, Walter. Hey. I am uh, I have
0: a curious, or I was curious about something. Sure. We have a pine tree in our front yard, and from the pine tree, this year I've noticed a lot of uh, pine cones have fallen with all the, uh, I guess, petals of the pine cone have, uh, so you just see the little uh, part of the pine cone without the petals on them, Got and they've fallen. I imagine the squirrels might be doing it. You're exactly right, And I right, have never, I've never seen it to this, degree. And I thought, have I just not noticed? Or is it a different year? Maybe the drought?
1: (laughs) I think you've just not noticed it. Squirrels do it every year. Yeah, squirrels do it every year. And I guess why they would be hungrier this year or hungrier last year or whatever. But yeah, they come up to the tree and they'll pull the cone off the end of the branch and they'll eat all the seeds as they can, peeling back back the petals, as you say. The scales, I guess Uh is the right word for it. And they'll put it back on the scales and eat the seeds inside, and they'll throw the pine cone down to the ground. Many times they'll also throw down one of the little tufts of needles, so you see not only the, the cones, but yeah. also the green needles on the driveway, too. But that's what the squirrels do this time of year. they got to fatten up and get ready for wintertime, and that's what they're doing, eating the pine All cones. right. Well,
0: I had just never noticed that before, and uh, you'd think I would have seen it in all these years, but...
1: Sometimes well, it just you takes for... looking at it in a different way. Like I talked, talked earlier in the show this morning, seeing my neighbor's pine tree from a different angle, looking up rather than out and down. And we saw this big infestation of insects in her pine tree. I'd never noticed that if I hadn't been looking at it the right way at the right time. So if you mm-hmm. look at the right way at the right time, you see some things you might not see otherwise. There you go. Yeah. Well, you're the best, Walter. Thank, thank you so you. much. Thank you, Tom. 872 fifty. Four oh four eight seven two zero seven fifty. One of the things that I've seen also this week are the berries on porcelain vine. If you see a vine that has very bright blue, I mean really, really bright blue berries on it. Porcelain vine is the name. It is the I won't say the world's worst weed. It is about the third worst weed in the world. It is an awful weed because those blueberries the birds love them, and this is the time of year when birds pick them off the uh, pick them off the vine and spread them everywhere. And so, when you have those little blue berries on a vine, please pull that vine up, get it out of there. You do not want porcelain vine on your landscape. The berries are attractive, I know. But gosh, they're, they're, the vine itself will go over and climb over everything. I've got it over my hydrangeas right now. I need to go out this afternoon and pull it off of them. There's lots of things that it covers over so very vigorously. Blueberries, you don't want them on your landscape, that is for sure. Doug is in Winder, Georgia. Hey, Doug, good morning.
0: Hey, Walter, how are you doing this morning? Good,
1: all right, Doug, what's up? Well, I'm an old
0: county agent, so you know who I am. Oh, but, yeah, Doug. Uh, hey, I've man. got a butterfly... <laughs> I've got a butterfly bush, and I don't know what I did wrong, but I didn't prune it early. No. And it's it's probably has five, six feet of, of, of sprawling limbs. Yeah. And I really need
1: to get it shaped back up. Let's see. When do I prune it? Two prunings. Two, prun- two prunings. One now is just going to shape it to, for the wintertime, make it look sort of nice, I guess, for the wintertime. It doesn't have to be down to the ground, because the down-to-the-ground pruning happens in January next year. Sometime around January or February next year, cut it down to 18 inches is fine. I mean, literally, cut it way down to 18 inches. It would be a lot better than than leaving it high.
0: Well, that's what I was wondering, if I need to wait and just prune it all back at that time versus shaping it up now. It's still blooming, and I love the butterflies, of course, so I hate to take that off.
1: If you want to, sure, there's no reason not to. Just leave it where it is right now. If it's not in your way when you make a turn on on the street or... Somehow in the landscape, in the way we should walk past on a path or something, you could leave it like it is. Right. For. But the ultimate goal right. is January, February, prune it back real severely. About 18 inches is, is just right.
0: right. And, then, and then throughout the year, kind of keep it shaped up or leave it alone?
1: Well, you want a little bit of, green, of new growth on it because that new growth is where all the flowers are going to be. So during the year, let me think, I might shape it up a couple of times just for the... Fun of it sometime, and let's see if you do the major printing in January, a shape up in May, another shape up in late June. Probably, I think it'll be fine. Yeah, I do it a couple of times during the summer. uh, Thank you very much. It is a great pleasure. Thanks for calling, Doug. We'll see you soon. All
0: right, take care.
1: 404 fish is the number on Lawn and We don't have time to take the questions. I'm seeing them probably on the screen. But there are good questions coming up. Betsy Marietta wants to know why ambrosia beetles are killing so many crepe myrtles. Michael Little wants to know Leland Cypress. His is browning from the top down. What pattern does that tell me? I know what pattern that is. Betsy and Michael, stay tuned. 404-872-0750 is my number. And we'll be back after this.
0: Scott Slade here on your WSB weekend. Enjoy Walter Reeves' lawn and garden and Dave Baker's home fix it this morning on 95.5 WSB. The WSB News team. Meteorologist Kirk Mellish and I will be here Monday morning with Atlanta's morning news. Here's Walter.
1: And a quick weather update brought to you by Finley Roofing. Today and tomorrow, pretty much the same: sunny, chilly. Highs don't quite reach sixty degrees. Lows in the upper thirties. Your oh, full weekend forecast, of course, going to ten minutes on News on ninety-five point five WSB. Betsy and Marietta joins us on Lawn and Garden. Hi, Betsy. Good morning. Betsy, there. I have taken out
0: back in. July because they had Asian Ambrosia beetles and of course the stumps have re-sprouted and I want to I'm going to have the stumps ground out but my question is do I need to spray all that growth which is about three to four feet high do I need to spray that with Roundup first Mm, Uh, and one other thing in one of the beds that crepe myrtle its roots have sprouted Growth throughout
1: the yes, bed really have. So is there, the idea About the roundup is just to kill the growth so You don't want any more, more Crape myrtle sprouts is that right
0: Well th- Where the tree trunk was There There are a lot of Branches yeah. And then throughout the bed um, Just assorted Sprouts have come up
1: I think what I would do is spray the new growth, all the new stuff. If it has leaves on it, and it's got to have leaves for Roundup to work. Right. it does. But if it has leaves on it, I would spray the Roundup, yes, and then wait about a week for the Roundup to be translocated down from the top to the as far as it will go anyway in the roots. And uh-huh. wait a week and then uh, have it ground down after that. Okay, The same great. thing goes Thank for all those you. little sprouts out in the bed. Anywhere you see the leaves of Crepe myrtle, you know what they look like. So get your sprayer out there every week or so. Now, this is, again, only when they have leaves. But when they have leaves on them, spray the Roundup. And if your goal is basically to make sure there's never, never, never a leaf anywhere that can feed the, the crepe myrtle with uh, sunshine. Because if you, if you feed the crepe myrtle, sunshine gets on the leaves and it just strengthens the roots. If you starve the crepe myrtle by removing the leaves all the time, eventually the roots die and the crepe myrtle is, is dead. Hopefully. Okay. All right. Well, thank you so much. It is my great pleasure to talk to you, Betsy. Thanks for calling. One of those things that this we've noticed over the past, I don't know, four or five, six years, is not that more and more crepe myrtles have been taken out by ambrosia beetles. It is simply that it's more noticeable, I think. I think people have noticed now that the toothpicks we didn't really used to know much about the Asian ambrosia beetle. But a lot of gardeners know now to look for the toothpicks on the trunk of crepe myrtle when the tra- crepe myrtle dies and a crepe myrtle just doesn't look right. If you look on the on the trunk of your tree and you see there's a little toothpick sticking out of the trunk, that shall, tells you that you have the Asian Ambrosia Beetle. Now you can't spray the crepe myrtle when the toothpicks are there, that's during the growing season usually. And the time to spray is in February or March when the beetles first emerge. They emerge usually February, March each year and that's the time when you spray a garden insecticide, garden insecticide on the trunk of the tree, all the way from the ground up to about where the limbs go down to two inches in diameter. So March or April, if you, or excuse me, February or March, maybe a little bit of April too, if you've had the, the Asian Ambrosia Beetle or other crepe myrtles, then it's time to spray yours, the ones that you have anyway to, to protect them from the Asian Ambrosia Beetle coming up in the next half hour. Joe and Marietta wants to teach some of how to treat the weeds in Fescue. And again, Michael in Atlanta was leaving us like this crowding from top to the bottom. My number four oh four eight seven two zero seven fifty. We'll be back with your news.